All right. How many love Christmas time? All right. I love Christmas time. How many? How many like to to go out and hear all the Christmas carols when you when you're shopping? And how many enjoy that? All right. A few of you. How many don't enjoy that? All right. You don't have to answer. All my introverts said that's us. But um, but Christmas. I love Christmas. It's a it's a great time of the year. It's one of the best times of the year, even though it's it may be cold. Uh, it's still, there's something awesome about just being out and about, seeing people everywhere. Most people are nice for the most part. Sometimes they're not. Uh, I came from California where most people are not as nice, but here in Indiana, I think everyone's mostly nice for the most part. Um, anybody been out fighting crowds this last week, shopping, doing anything like that? Not not going out and fighting crowds like, come on, let's go. No, out like shopping or doing anything. Um the thing about Christmas, you know, it, it brings a lot of, how many have good memories of Christmas when you were young? How many have, uh, remember getting something very special on Christmas when you were young and it still sticks out in your mind? Uh, most most people have a, have a pretty positive memory. Some people don't have a positive memory of Christmas, depending on their situation. But oftentimes, with all the, the fun things that come with Christmas and getting together with family and all that, all that stuff is great. Unfortunately, Christmas season also can be one of the toughest season for some people. And depending on where you're at in your life and what you're going through, I heard a, a uh, pastor the other day um, speaking about uh, the, the Christmas holiday, and he said, because it's, it's a little different for him this year because his uh, wife's father has passed away and his mother had passed away and his dad is in a uh, nursing home facility or assisted care living. And he has two kids who are not quite married yet, but, you know, upper, upper teens, maybe 20 and 19. And uh, he just said, we're just in a weird place in our lives, he said, you know, because mom's not here, and how many have lost uh, loved ones this year, all right, a few people have lost loved ones this year, and and sometimes in the Christmas season, we struggle with that, um, oftentimes we struggle with a little bit of uh, depression, or if you want to call it that, and here's what I know, how many know that we are all susceptible to depression, there isn't anybody that is uh, uh, that is you know totally foolproof from it because here's the thing: life happens. Sometimes situations happen. Sometimes they're beyond your control, and there are moments in your life. But the key, it, when we know that we're susceptible to depression, is the key is being able to recognize it in your life. You ought to ask the Lord, "Hey, Lord." Am I just down, or is this something that I really need to deal with and contend with? And um, uh, some of the reasons for holiday depression is this. Some people are fatigued. Some people are stressed. Some people are, are trying to live up to unrealistic expectations. There's the over-commercialization of Christmas. There's the financial stress and the inability to uh, be with ones uh, with, with your friends or your loved ones. And so... Those are all things that can contribute to, uh, you know, maybe depression around the holidays, around Christmas time. Um, and here's the other thing, not to mention the uh, added stress of the pandemic. Amen. How many could say that your life in 2019 was easier than your life in 2020 and 2021? 
Uh, we didn't realize how good we had it back in 2019, and, and things have changed. And so the pandemic has added just another portion of stress, and, the, and there's looming negativity that, that just follows the storm of the, of the pandemic, right? It's just, it, we're just kind of all dealing with it. It's a perfect storm for people struggling with anxiety, fear, and depression. It's just all right there, and it's all lumped together. And, um, you know, oftentimes those people feel depressed and they feel like uh, they're in a dungeon. Anybody ever felt down or dealt with, you don't have to raise your hand, please don't raise your hand. You felt down and felt like you've dealt with uh, anxiety, fear, and depression in, in your life. You, you feel dark, you feel hopeless, uh, you feel like that uh, there, there is no hope. But uh, one of the things in Isaiah chapter 9, which we're going to look at Sunday, it starts that chapter and it talks about a light is coming to the darkness. How many know what that light is? That's Jesus Christ. He's coming in in a dark world. Can I tell you, if you're down in your heart, if you're down in your heart, the light will begin to shine in your life if you'll let Jesus shine in your life. Amen? Uh, if you're down and you're fighting depression, the key is not to remain in the dungeon of your life or depression. Uh, one of my good friends this week, he posted something, and uh, a few years ago, he was in a major car accident, and he is uh, uh, paraplegic, and he's lost his use of his limbs from his waist down, and it was a tragic accident. Young man, young father, had two kids, uh, been married just a few years, three, four years, was on his way to work, was rear-ended by a semi, and lost the use of his 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 lower extremities, and so he went through this whole process of his life. Uh, trying to get his life back together, uh, you know, learning how to uh, work as a as a, a paraplegic and and get into life and and I follow him and I stay in contact with him and and we're we're very good friends and he's done a really good job being he's a great dad he's a great husband and the other day he posted something and it and it caught my attention and um, he mentioned that he had dealt with uh, depression. And I had no idea that he had dealt with depression, and he was just kind of open and honest about it. And he said that he had not been sleeping well, and he didn't want to exist. He was feeling down, not having energy to even roll out of bed. And how many know that the enemy's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy? He wants to take you out. But the second part of that verse is, and Jesus said this, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So not only is the Lord light in darkness, but he's life in, in, a world, in the world where the devil wants to take you out. So uh, I love that. How many love that about Jesus? And Jesus has given us an overcoming uh, spirit and overcoming power to deal with depression, fear, and anxiety. Uh, I mentioned this Sunday. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the sign that that. That, that they would see, remember that scripture I read, is that was the sign, is that God would be with us. Matter of fact, Jesus would say this, uh, that he would never leave us or forsake us. He is right there with you. I don't care what you're dealing with. You may feel like you're alone, but he is right there with you. But oftentimes, even knowing that, we feel like we're in the dungeon of, of depression. And, and some of the greatest men and women... Uh, uh, that I know, and in my life even personally, have struggled with depression from time to time. 
There are a lot of pastors who deal with depression, a lot of uh, evangelists and motivational speakers and ministry leaders who seem to have it all together. But can I tell you something? Sometimes what you see on the outside is not what you what's happening on the inside. And so, uh, you know, and even in my own life, if I'm being a little bit transparent, life happens and sometimes we get down and it just happens that way. It's not because we're, uh, you know, necessarily... Uh, you know, anything's like bad happening, but just there's there's moments and to be open and to be transparent. Uh, you know, just recently I found myself walking through a bit of a low place. Anybody ever been there where, where I was just just kind of walking through it and I'm just being transparent. I'm being open. That's the only thing I know how to do, because guess what? If it can happen to you, it can happen to me. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, I know this. The scripture says, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. So I'm giving my testimony right now, okay, just so you know. And life happens sometimes, and if we aren't careful, we become susceptible and, uh, to, and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks of, of depression. So, and I want to look at this, this man in the New Testament um, and Jesus uh, tonight, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit, but Matthew chapter 11, uh, and Jesus would say of this man, and we're going to be verse 1, Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus would say of this man uh, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 11, and verse 11, I don't know if you have this up there, do you have it? He would say this of this man, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Everyone say John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Do you know who that is? That's Jesus, all right? Uh, and Jesus would say of himself in, in uh, Galatians that he was born of a woman as well, meaning this, that he had a human mom, okay? Just, just so you know, I'm sorry if you're Catholic, but Mary was just Mary. She was a vessel used by God, all right? Um, and so he would say that. So he would say this to John the Baptist. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty amazing. Jesus would take the time to say something so amazing about someone else. I think that I find that interesting. But, but leading up to that statement, if we go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, Something has happened here, and I want to read this scripture, and then we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to break this apart for you a little bit. So it says this, verse 1 says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their city. So Jesus is going about doing what Jesus was doing, all right? And uh, number, uh, verse 2 says, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to them, Are you the one who is come, or shall we look for another? Now, you ought to be amazed when you, when you read that bit of scripture because uh, th that does not sound like the John the Baptist that we know. And Jesus answered them, and he said this, Go and tell John what you hear and see. Look at this, verse 5. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Verse 6, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Pretty strong words there. Jesus is, is, is putting us a, a course correction there for John, okay? So look at this. So 
uh, I want to just talk to you, and I believe, and I don't know this, I don't know your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have one or don't, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to, I don't want to assume, but I'm just going to believe that everyone in here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and knowing that most of you are probably, uh, have been saved for some time, and, and have, uh, you know a little bit about the Bible. How many can say, I know a little bit about the Bible? All right. All right, so knowing that, but this is what, this is what happens sometimes, and this is my first point, uh, when you already know what the Bible says, but you still doubt. When you already know what the Bible says, but you still have this looming doubt in your mind. Anybody ever been there? I know what the, the Bible says. I know the Bible says I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. But sometimes I am very hard on myself. God, I'm not good enough. And God's like, yeah, you are. You're the head, not the tail. Stop putting yourself there. So, uh, so this is where John is at. And John the Baptist is in prison because he, is, he basically went and he indicted Herod for taking his brother's wife for his own. And now he finds himself in jail about to be executed. He spoke the truth. I, I love John the Baptist. I, I, he, most of us probably couldn't handle John the Baptist because he would not have been politically correct. He would have just told it like it was. doesn't matter what you're going to do to me. And, and as you can tell, he's in a dungeon. And he's not just in a, a prison here, but he is in a prison of doubt and depression. This, 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 I, the Lord just showed me this, I, and I, I found this super interesting and um, sending out his disciples, he sends them out to Jesus to ask, in, to ask Jesus if he's indeed the Messiah. He had heard, Scripture tells us there, that he had heard the works of Jesus. And he sent some of his disciples out to talk to Jesus and ask him, hey, are you indeed the Messiah? Now that should blow your mind right there because who did John baptize in the Jordan River? Do you remember that? And you remember there, and what did he say when Jesus came? He, he said, you know, I can't even hold his sandals at that point when he was doing the work of the Lord. He found himself there in this dark, deep pit. So here he is, and he's got doubt has set into his mind, and now he's even questioning who Christ is. Kind of blows my mind. And John, John, he baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. And the Lord would speak at this moment when he did baptize Jesus. And, and he would say this, this is my son who I am well pleased. John the Baptist experienced all that, saw all that going on. He knew who Jesus was before anyone else. Matter of fact, he was the one who went before. He was a forerunner for Jesus. And he went and he preached about him coming. And, and he, Jesus would leave there, and when Jesus was baptized, he would leave there, and he would go to the wilderness, and he would fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and he'd be tempted by the devil there. I remember that story, right? And while he, he is there, when he gets done there, he goes, and then he goes to Nazareth, which is his hometown, and he goes there to the synagogue in Nazareth, and he preaches his first public message. That's the, that is the beginning of Jesus' ministry right there. That sequence right there. He was baptized. The Lord said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. He goes to the wilderness 40 days and nights. He, he, he fasts. The devil tempts him three times. He, he shuts the devil down with the word of God. Then he comes back to Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue, and he opens up a scroll. And the first 
thing that he preaches is out of Isaiah chapter 61, and he says this, the spirit of the Lord, uh, uh, of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, amen, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and, and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And that would be what he would preach there in the synagogue, his opening opening verse there, if you if you want to know. And so, and John would know this verse. John the Baptist would know this verse in, in Isaiah chapter 61. He would know, hey, that is a prophecy that is speaking about the coming Messiah, which would be Jesus Christ. He would know this. And I can't help but think he's doubting because there's part of this bit of scripture there that Jesus read that says that he will give liberty to the captives, opening the, the prison to those who are bound. But there is John the Baptist sitting there smack dab in prison. Can't help but think maybe, maybe there's a, a little bit of doubt within John the Baptist. And maybe that's... Uh, I guess I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, J to the B, he is there in prison. He says, hey, I, I want to be free, Jesus. That's John the Baptist, just so you know. I was a little J to the B, all right? Um, but I can't help but think this is our mentality when we know the Scripture, we know what the Scripture says about us, but then we find ourselves in, in this dilemma, in this pit, in this dungeon, in this depression. We know what the Word of God says about us. We've had moments where we've experienced Jesus just like John did, yet in the prison of depression, fear, and anxiety there, I, we are doubting. God, I know what your Word says, but, Right? I saw this, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, faith can move mountains, right? Would you guys agree? Faith can move mountains. Doubt can create them. And doubt can put something in our hearts and maybe put a, a, a depression in our hearts where we feel like, I cannot overcome this, and I can't, oh, I can't get through this. And John, he knew who Jesus was. But his prison moment made him doubt. It's in the dungeon of depression making you doubt. And John the Baptist is the one who was crying out in the wilderness, make way for the king. So that's what he did before. Here he is in prison, and guess what? Now he's like, can you guys just go ask Jesus and make sure that he is the one? A little bit of doubt. He's now dealing with doubt in his heart. And Jesus responds, and I love this. He, and Jesus' response is not one of out of Isaiah 61, but it's out of Isaiah chapter 35. And he's, it's, 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 and I love this. When I was reading this, uh, Isaiah 35, the heading in my Bible says this, hope for restoration. Everyone say hope for restoration. How many know that Jesus is, is the hope for restoration? He's the hope for restoration in your life and your situation. He's the hope and, uh, of, of restoration for anything that you can face. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5 through 6, it says this. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Does that sound familiar? And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Does that sound familiar? 
And verse 6 says, Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Wouldn't do it this time of year if that was them. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So those who can't speak are going to sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. What does that last portion mean? That means when, when it looks impossible, God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And John the Baptist would know this verse as well. And, I, I have to, uh, and, 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 and Jesus is saying this. Listen. I know you're looking at Isaiah 61, but look, Isaiah 35, there are some things that I need to accomplish here. So look at this. Then in verse 7, he says this, and I don't know if if you have that. Do you have that verse, the next verse? It says this, uh, that he is the the one in the wilderness. And and talking about John, he says, the the burning uh, sand shall become a pool like in the thirst." Thirsty, oh, go, go back, go back to Matthew. I'm sorry. I was reading that. I was like, that does not make sense. Matthew chapter, yeah, 11, 6. There it is. And, and as they went, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So while his disciples came to ask Jesus, hey, are you the Messiah? I can't help but think that the crowd thought, is John really doubting Jesus here? And I think Jesus does something amazing here. He says something Out loud so people can know. And he says this about John. Even in the middle of his doubt, he says this. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? And he said this. A reed shaken by the wind. So this is amazing to me. In verse 7 he says it's a, a reed shaken by the wind. No, he was, John the Baptist, listen, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. He was being inspired by the, by the, by the pneuma, the wind, the, the breath of God. He was the wind shaking the reed. He was doing the opposite. He wasn't there to be shaken by, by uh, uh, he was a thermostat. Let me, what am I trying to say? He's a thermostat, not a thermometer. John the Baptist was coming to set a tone, not adjust to the tone. And Jesus is just clarifying, saying, hey, John, you've done your part here. I know you may be in doubt, but I am going to give you kudos here because you've done what you were supposed to do. And he was preaching. He was not preaching on the poles of public opinion, but of the truth of God. That's what John the Baptist was doing. So it didn't matter if people agreed with him or didn't agree with him because he was going to speak the truth. That's why he's in jail, because he spoke the truth to Herod and he couldn't handle it. So oftentimes in our life, we know what the Bible says, but we still doubt. It's amazing to me. Why why do we do that? Why do we do that? But look at this, and and I want to give you some good truths. Here's, the, here's, here's something I, I want to, I, I just want to leave this with you. When, when you are, when you're, you're ready to, uh, when you already know and you respond. So my first point was this. When you already know and you doubt. So here's my second point. When you already know and you respond. Everyone say respond. You know, the, the scripture has given us keys to respond when we are in the pit of depression. I know the word of God. You know the word of God. When you get down in heart, you need to know where to go in the word of God to allow that to soak in you. Look at this. And sometimes these things are so practical. They're so easy. Sometimes they're so simple that we just 
don't give them the time of day or we overlook them or we want something bigger than, than that. And, and it's, sometimes it's so easy we just overlook it as believers. I can't help but think, you know, in my mind, sometimes when it's so easy, it may be a matter of pride. God couldn't do that in that little bitty thing. Oh, you watch and see what God can do with a little bit. So here's, here, I'm going to give you four things, four things, four simple things. Are you ready? And, and this, is, this is already something that you already know. You're not going to learn anything new here. I'm just going to reiterate that you may learn something new, but, uh, but you're, you already know what I'm about to say. Number one, prayer. When I find myself in the pit of depression, you know what I also find? My prayer life is not where it needs to be. Have I went before the Lord? Have I talked to the Lord? And usually in those moments, if I'm honest with myself, I haven't been fully doing what I should be doing in prayer. It's not because the Lord didn't want to talk to me. And I'm not talking about a five-minute prayer. I'm talking about getting on your knees before the Lord and laying it before the Lord. Anybody ever had to grab the horns of the altar and just pray until God, God broke, the, broke through for you? And, and that's what I'm talking about. Look at this. Psalm 34, 17 says this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. How many want the Lord to hear you? Cry out. You know what that takes? Prayer. Prayer and supplication. He delivers them from all their troubles. How many want the Lord to deliver you? Cry out. Amen. Amen. Look at this. I, I, I love this. It's, it, it is okay to cry out to Jesus. You know, I heard this song this week. And in the middle of this song, at the end of this song, I don't even remember what the song was. And there's this, this young man, and he just begins to cry out to Jesus in this song. And, and I thought, when I first heard it, I thought, man, this is this is. This is kind of awkwardly weird, but after I listened to it, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and said, this, this young man is just crying out to me. This is what you should be doing, pastor. I was like, man, Lord, forgive me. For, forgive me for being that way. Forgive me for being haughty. But, Lord, so we have to cry out. Everyone say, cry out. Habakkuk 3, 18 and 19, it says this. And I love this. I love this. I love this verse. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. Everyone say amen. He will make my feet like a deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high hills. You know what? That Not, not high hills like high hills. Not women high hills. All right. Like high hills. H-I-L-L-S, not H-E-E-L-S, all right? And that, I'm, I'm, I want to clarify that. If you're listening right now, we're not talking about men walking on high hills. All right. I just caught that. It just hit me, and I was like, <laughs> that really does sound like high hills, doesn't it? Um, but I begin to think about that. The Hebrew word there, I will rejoice, rejoice of the Lord, rejoice there means this right here, to turn around. That's amazing. I will rejoice. I'm in a pit, but guess what? I'm not in a pit. I'm going to turn around. From where I'm facing, what's going on? Joy right here. I'm going to turn around. I am out of this situation. I love that. And so how many want to spin around? How many want to turn around your situation? You got to pray. 
got to rejoice. And God turned, it, it's amazing, God will turn your situation around. And when you do that, God will turn your depression to joy. Amen. Amen. All right, look at this. Here's the second one right here. Praise God. Everyone say praise God. All right. Here's the third one. No, I'm just kidding. Praise God. Psalms 42.11 says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Anybody ever been there? Hmm. Why, why am I down? Why, are you, why, are you, why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's talking to himself here. Hey, TJ, put your hope in God. You see, he prays like I do. For I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. When should I praise the Lord? All the time. There shouldn't be a moment where we shouldn't be praising the Lord. We say, well, I have to work and I have to do that. But you could still have a praise in your heart, even if you're not necessarily, uh, you know, screaming it out or, or singing out loud. You could still praise the Lord. I, you, you've heard me tell this story many times. But, you know, when I get in the car with my dad, I, if it gets quiet for just a moment, out of nowhere, he'll just be like, praise the Lord. I'm like, ooh, scares me. But that is having a, a praise in your heart. And, and listen, when should I praise the Lord? All the time. And when I praise, it is one of the greatest acts of trusting the character of God. I love you, Lord. I praise you because I know you're going to take care of this situation. It is one of the greatest acts of trusting the Lord. And, you know, I, I thought about this. My kids do not worry where their next meal is coming from. You know why? Because that's mom and dad's job. And the children of God don't have to worry where, where God's next step for is because the Lord is going to take care of you. All you got to do is just praise him and trust him. And it's so simple, but that's so profound. Look at this. Psalms 30, 11 says this. It says, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. Oh, I like that one. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Look at this. Isaiah 61, 3 says this. Uh, to console those who mourn. This is, this is part of the scripture that Jesus read. To console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil for, of joy for what? Oh, joy for what? Lord, I give you my mourning. Lord, you're going to give me joy. That is not a fair trade. It's like the, the lemonade stand out in the neighborhood when they give you a little cup of lemonade and it costs a dollar. It's really not a fair trade, but you do it because you're trying to help the neighborhood. Get, God's like, I want to help you here. Give me what you've got and I'll give you this. Look at this. The next part of that scripture says, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now here's the problem, and you've heard me say it before. You, your garment doesn't choose you. You choose your garment. You put on what you want to put on. Well, I don't feel like praising. That's because you didn't put on the garment of praise. You chose not to put on the garment of praise. And so God is saying this, I will give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. If you're tired of feeling uh, down and depressed in your heart, all you got to do is turn that around and say, God, I'm going to put on this garment of praise. I may not feel like praising, but I'm going to do it. I'm just going to trust you. It's the greatest act that I can do is just trust you. So I'm going to praise you in spite, even if it doesn't look good, I'm going to praise you anyways. Amen. When I make the effort to worship the Lord, he'll change your surroundings. And I begin to think about this. When 
Paul and Silas were in prison and they began to worship the Lord, their whole situation changed. Their surroundings changed because they decided to worship the Lord. Here's the next one. We're super practical tonight, but, but very relevant. Look at this. Read the Bible. I know. Simple, right? Super simple. I need to hear this. You need to hear this. We all need to hear this. Look, read the Bible. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What do you do in the dark? Get a light. What do you do when your lights go out? You find a flashlight so you could see how to get around. Do you know how you get around in dark depression? Is you grab the light of God's word and he'll illuminate your steps and tell you where you need to step so you know that you're on solid ground. His word is a light unto my heart. Amen. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So look at this. Here's, uh, here's another one. Number four right here. This is a good one right here. Now all you introverts won't like this one, but you need it. Be around encouraging believers. You're dealing with depression in your heart. You need to be around some godly people who are who will uh, just won't let you stay in all your 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 muck. <laughs> Let's just call it that. You know, First Thessalonians five eleven says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You know what I love about seeing you guys? I get to shake your hand. I get to smile with you and you tell me things that uplift my heart and I can tell you things that can uplift you. This is why we come together. This is why we need each other because we're here to build each other up. Everyone look at your table and say, I'm here to build you up. Not tear you down, all right? And one of the worst things that I can do when I have the blues or am depressed is to isolate myself. And this is what people do. When they get upset, when they get mad, they want to isolate themselves away from the people of God. And the enemy wants to do that. And yet, you know, you've heard me talk about that many, many, many times. And they want to isolate themselves from the body of believers. And let me tell you something. I need you and you need me and we need each other. Because there may be days that I come in that I'm down and you're up. And there may be days where you're down and I'm up. And I can say something into you and build you up. We need each other. Amen. Look at someone in this building and say, I need you. All right. All right. Good. Can you help me, uh, uh, Micah, can you help me on the piano? I want to I wanna just share this story. And I know we're in the Christmas season and I know... Many of us have dealt with with different situations and different things, but I I just want to give I wanted to give you some simple tools tonight, simple things that that we have that we know we have, we know what the Word of God says, but oftentimes we doubt. When we know what the Word of God says, we should respond to what it says, not based on what I see or what I feel, but what I know about the character of God. Amen? So look at this. I, I want to share this story. Um, Horatio G. Spafford uh, was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago, and he had a lovely family. He had a wife, Anna, and five children, 
where they uh, were not strangers to, to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and that same year, much of their business was lost in the, in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed their business to flourish once more. So check this out. On November 21st, 1873, the French ocean liner, Villa de Havar, was crossing on the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among those passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help some unexpected business problems. So he told his wife that he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship, okay? You guys with me? About four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the the Villa de Havar collided with a powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship, the Loch Urn. And suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly uh, brought her four children to the deck. She knelt with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if, if, if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Boy, what a way to look at your situation. Check this out. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage, and it was Anna still alive, and he pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine uh, nine days later landed in Cardiff Wells, From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. But look at this. Another of the ship's survivor, Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. We don't always understand the situations that we go through. We may not always understand that. But listen, what I see in this woman's life is a woman who says, God, I'm going to trust you regardless whatever the outcome is. This is amazing to me. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Mr. Spafford to his cabin and told him, They were over the place where his children had went down. And according to Bertha Spafford, which would later be married or be born later from his daughter, a daughter born after the tragedy, she, that Mr. Spafford wrote these words. I'm going to share these words with you in that moment. It was these words that he penned at that moment where he went over where his daughters had drowned. He said, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, for whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. 
he would say this in another verse. He would say, though Satan should uh, buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Look at this. Verse 4 says this, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? Maybe you're here and you're dealing with maybe a little bit of depression in your heart. And I'll be the first one to say, hey, maybe I was struggling with that recently. But as I begin to go over this and study this, I couldn't help but feel a lifting in my heart that no matter what, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It's not anything that I do, but it is Christ in me. It's because I know his word, and I have to respond to his word. I can't live a life as a believer and know his word and not respond to what his word says. I shouldn't live in doubt. We're all susceptible at moments, even John the Baptist had a moment, and I can't help but think when he got that response from Jesus, knowing that prophecy, he probably thought, man, why did I ever doubt? Maybe you're here and you're going through a season, and maybe you're in, in a little bit of doubt in your heart, in your mind tonight. I just want to tell you that God loves you. If faith can move mountains, doubt can create them, and Maybe you've been living in doubt and there's been some mountains created and you've, you're not seeing God clearly. I'm going to tell you, move in faith and ask God to move those mountains for you. Come on, will you, will you just do this? Will you stand with me all across this building? Will you lift your hands? And maybe you're here. Maybe you're going through something. I, I want to encourage you. Lift your hands and just begin to love on the Lord. Come on, let's sing this. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Come on, sing it out. Come on, church. It is well, no matter what you're going through, come on, with my soul, it is well. maybe struggling, maybe just a little bit down in their heart. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be the lifter of their head. 
God, I pray and I come against the darkness. God, I pray, Lord, that you would shine light in the darkness, Lord, that you would surround them with people who will lift them up. God, believers that will hold them accountable, Lord, that will help to lift up their countenance. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to lean on you, to cry out to you, to worship you. There's something, Lord, that when we begin to worship, Lord, all the trials and all the depression and all the situations of this world will disappear because, Lord, you have that effect on us. Lord, as we look at you in light of who you are, God, our situations are small. So, Lord, we put our faith and we put our trust in you. We say you are a good God. God, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. God, we lift up everybody who may be dealing with sickness right now, God, in the house. Those who are struggling, Lord, in their bodies. Lord, for those who need a miracle in their marriage, God, we come against the enemy. God, we come against doubt. We say, Lord, let faith arise among your people in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Say, it is well with my soul. I'm so glad that you guys were here tonight. And I want to say this. Uh, it's good to see Dustin. Dustin had surgery uh, Friday and Thursday. I'm sorry, Thursday. And he was was going to make it to church tonight. He told me, he said, I'm going to make it to church Wednesday. And I said, if you don't feel like it, you, you shouldn't. He said, I'm going to come to church. So he's here. And so I'm glad that he's here and keep praying for him. He goes to the doctor tomorrow, starts uh, therapy therapy tomorrow morning and uh, and so he's doing well went to the doctor yesterday had a good report on his surgery and everything's going well so pray that his that his therapy goes well and I, I just pray that God blesses you this week I pray you're encouraged amen I don't know about you if you didn't need this this guy needed this it is well with my soul amen shake someone's hand you are dismissed